It's Thursday at 11 a.m. And you're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or the Griggs B. Let's get into the action. Good morning and welcome into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Sitting to my right, as always, is Griggs Blankenberg. And for me, Griggs, this is one of the best days on the sports calendar. Happy, op- yeah. Happy opening day to you, buddy. Happening, uh, happen- we both did the same thing. Happy opening day to you as well. My mic was messed up. But once again, we are back again. It is the Eagles Nest here right on Weagle 91.1 FM from 11 a.m. to 1. We got all the baseball coverage you need here today as our quote-unquote MLB opening. But before we get to all the baseball coverage, you want to know, because we have a lot of seam heads out there, Daniel, who know ball. We got to talk about the other ball first, and that is the thing that's mainly in the sports world right now, and that is college basketball. So the Final Four is set for Houston. It will start on Saturday at 5.09 p.m. I don't know why they do that, the random, like, time mark like that. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, I'm covering softball for the Plainsmans on Saturday. The game first pitches at 3. So I'm just hoping that it's a the quickest game ever and Auburn wins in a run rule and like five, four and a half innings is what I need. But the Final Four is made up, as everyone predicted, to the start of the year. The number 9 seed Florida Atlantic Owls, 35-3 and three out of the Conference USA. The San Diego State Aztecs, the 5 seed at 31 and 6 out of the Mountain West, the 5 seed Miami Hurricanes 29 and 7 out of the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference, and the number 4 seed Yukon Huskies 29 and 8 out of the Big East, which is a very different contrast to what we got last year in the all blue blood final four with Duke versus North Carolina and then Kansas versus Villanova. And a side note real quick while we're on the subject of college basketball and we're in the state of Alabama, the UAB Blazers are taking on the North Texas Mean Green in the NIT championship game tonight. That is on ESPN2 and ESPN Plus at 8.30 Central Time in Las Vegas, Nevada. You know what that means, though, Daniel? What? Conference USA could go for the first ever postseason tournament sweep. Like, hear really? me out. That's never happened? CBI, the Charlotte 49ers out of Conference USA won that. Right. There's a guaranteed winner out of the Conference USA in the um, uh, NIT. Yeah. Between North Texas and UAB. And if the Owls can do it, that would be the first time ever. Because you have to think, not many Power 5 teams go into the CBI. Right. That's the whole thing holding it back. So if Florida Atlantic's uh, Cinderella run continues, that would be it. I didn't even think about that. That's that's crazy. I heard that thing on a podcast the other day. But let's start with the first game on Saturday, 5.09 p.m. on CBS in the at NRG Stadium in Houston. The number nine seed, Florida Atlantic Owls, taking on the number five seed, San Diego State Aztecs. Current line is set at San Diego State as a two-point favorite with a over-under of a 131.5 points. Yeah, I um, I think San Diego State's going to win this game. Or this is probably not who we got. Yeah, but we can just talk about it. Yeah. Um, you know, the way that they were able to – they played a brand of defense that Alabama had clearly never seen before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as biased as I am against Alabama, they they were they were dudes this year. Like, they, they played some really, really tough competition. Oh, they were very good. Oh, yeah. So, the fact that this team from the Mountain West – no, West Coast Conference? San Diego State's from the Mountain West and Florida Atlantic from the Conference USA. Right. So, the fact that a team from the Mountain West – was able to dominate Alabama defensively like they did and really just shut them down. I don't 
I don't know. Like, I don't know if Florida Atlantic can hang with that. Mm. I don't think they can really either. But here's the thing, though. We, let's talk about the teams that they've played so far in the tournament. So Florida Atlantic started off with Memphis winning that 66-65. Off of, Florida Atlantic could not be here right now if a call goes a certain way in that game. Right. Uh, then they beat uh, FDU 78-70. Then they uh, beat the Volunteers 62-55. And then they beat Kansas State the other day 79-76 at the Garden. So that was their road to the Final Four. For the Aztecs, it's a little bit more difficult. It was the, uh, the College of Charleston 63-57. Followed by the Paladins of Furman, 75-52. Absolutely destroyed that game. Then they moved on to Louisville to take on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Won that game, 71-64. And then had a one-point victory over the Creighton Blue Jays, 57-56. So they've been able to win. Their defense has been what's been keeping them around. Because it takes a lot for a team to win 57-56. I agree. But I'm kind of leaning more towards San Diego State as well, which is that defense. And the thing about that, we we were having one team from either the Mountain West or Conference USA in the national championship game. That's that's a very interesting thing to think about. It really is. And um it's it's awesome to, to be honest. Like I like like don't get me wrong, obviously my favorite college basketball team is Auburn, so SEC team. My other favorite college basketball team is Indiana. Big Ten. You could argue that they're a blue blood, but whatever. Who? All defense. Who? Indiana. That's a conversation for another day. I mean when I think of Blue Bloods, the, the five off the bat, UCLA, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, Duke. Those sure. are the five I think of because they have blue. I think Indiana would be the classified as the only Blue Blood who does not have blue in their color. I guess if you want to go back to that, it's just the fact that UCLA really hasn't done anything in this century either. Right. Or this dec- or the past couple decades, same with Indiana. But I don't know. I think Indiana and Villanova are kind of on that edge because Villanova just – Villanova is more of a new blood, I guess. But they mm-hmm. used, they won one back in the day too, so – yeah, I don't know. I just, well, anyways, my point of saying that was I am by no means a hater of big time college basketball at all, but I love seeing these you know teams from the like, lesser conferences really have some success, mm-hmm. and it's really cool to see that. Like two mid majors are in the final four. Mm. That's something that, like you said, everyone predicted that everyone. So you know, one of them is guaranteed a, ch- a spot in the national championship game. Like, that is really, really cool to see. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what happens, I think this is going to be one of my favorite Final Fours ever. I mean, it was just interesting. I think last year for me, just because I had all that built-up emotion being from North Carolina, it's Duke, UNC in the Final Four. Just like all – like, who even remembers that Kansas-Villanova game? Absolutely no one. No one. Because everyone was watching that one. But nonetheless – Let's move on to the other game that's happening on Saturday as well at NRG Stadium, 7.49 p.m. It is the number five seed Miami Hurricanes taking on the number four seed UConn Huskies. The current spread in that one is UConn is a five-and-a-half point favorite. Over-under is 149-and-a-half. They both got here. Let's go how they both got here. Miami defeated Drake in the first round, 63-56, before beating the Hoosiers, 85-69, to followed by beating the Houston Cougars in Kansas City, 89-75, followed by beating the Texas Longhorns, 88-81. And next up was the Yukon Huskies. They defeated Iona, 87-63 in the first round, followed by St. Mary's, 70-55, followed by the absolute beatdown of the Razorbacks, 88-65, and then the dismantling of the Gonzaga Bulldogs in the Elite 8, 82-54. Yeah. This is the this has to be the cheapest final four ever. Forty one dollars. 
to get in. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's... But we have to think about it also because they had the, the Houston made to the Sweet 16, and then Texas, if they would have beaten um, Miami, they would have gotten people there. But it's UConn, Miami, FAU, and San Diego State. So, again, another stark contrast between this year and last year. Right. Um, like, obviously, last year being in New Orleans, it's kind of like – I bet Houston fans did what I know a lot of Auburn fans did and what a lot of Alabama fans did this year, and that's buy tickets early, book flights early. That that has got to be the least wise decisions I've ever heard. I wholeheartedly As, Especially agree. in this tournament. You just – why? I mean, what are, you, what are you doing with that for? Like, that's the only way – you have to win four games to get there. Yeah. I, this is the hardest tournament, I think, to win in all of – Sports, I think, it's like gotta be. it's the hardest team sport tournament to win in all sports because I would agree. It's kind of it's crazy to think about because you have all these really good teams who are in the tournament. But the thing is, you got to win six in a row. Exactly. Which that's the best teams got to do that. Like that's why Duke coming into the tournament they won ten in a row. I'm like I don't think they're gonna do it. Same with Alabama. I think they won like they won the SEC tournament and then they lost in this tournament because it's just so hard to win that many games in a row, especially against like good competition. Like you're not playing like all out of conference, just like. I don't. I was gonna say Colgate, like um, UCF. It's not everyone who you're playing because you're actually playing like decent teams. So, right. Um, I, I would agree because if it was easy to win this thing, Kentucky would, or Kansas would win every year. Hmm. Yeah, it would just be people with the, the five stars to win every, every year. That's right. why I think also seeding is not mattering as much now. Like I'll use Arkansas as an example this year. They got the eight seed, and they had a lot of guys injured throughout the year, and they come back. It's just a matter of just who you get, who can you be at the right time, really. That team is about peaking really late, which is what Auburn didn't do last year, which is peak at the very end, which we didn't peak at the very end. But, yeah, both these teams are on four-game winning streaks. They both lost in their, I think, conference championships or close to that. But I don't think I'm leaning towards the Huskies here. I think three – I think they've had six um, national championship games in uh, uh, Texas since 2000. I think UConn's won three, and then everyone else has won three as well. So mm. – I don't know, just all leaning towards the Huskies, I feel like, right now. They're the highest remaining seed. They got some absolute dudes. And then Miami, I think, just plays down to their opponents sometimes. Like, with Wake, they played them in the ACC uh, tournament. They were up, like, 16 with, like, seven minutes to go, and then they won by two. So, But then again, me and you both having experience with Miami in person, watching them, all this stuff, this is definitely not a team you just want to overlook. No, it's not. Um, They've eliminated my two favorite teams in the NCAA tournament in back-to-back years in the round of 32. So, definitely a team that's always going to be on my radar now. Um, and Jim Laranega is a great coach. He is. He's Yeah, he's one, He's the best remaining coach available, uh, left in this tournament, I think. But, yeah, I mean, he took George Mason to the Final Four. He took, I think it was like 17 years to the day where he got Miami the, their first Final Four. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, Miami's guard play is just so good. And the fact that, like, but UConn, like, the, the way they beat teams like Arkansas and Gonzaga – who actually had like players as well? It's just crazy that they're just able to do that because they have that. They're coming from that Big East grind, really, just having to just tough it out. Because UConn lost, a, I think, around January they started to like suffer a little bit, but then they're now coming back to what they were. I agree, and they're a very, very good team, and I'm interested to see how all this plays out. Um, I think that's going to do it for the Final Four conversation. Unless Griggs has anything else to say. Who you got winning it? Um, I've got. UConn over Miami, San Diego State over FDU, and then UConn winning it all. 
Okay, that's how that's how I think it's gonna be. I think UConn's over San Diego State, and UConn's gonna win again. But so that is it for Final Four, and the second to last time that we'll talk about college basketball this semester. It's hard to believe. When we come back, we haven't figured it out yet, but we've got to kill a little more time before we get into the MLB talk. It's hurting me. I know. I'm sure it's hurting you out there. So you're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Keep it here. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me is Griggs Blankenberg. We opened up the show by previewing the Final Four, talking a little bit about what each team had to do to get there and all that good stuff. And now... I forgot what are we talking about? We're doing an NBA and NHL, but we got to talk. Right. We got to touch on something first, and that is Auburn basketball for a couple minutes. So, if if you're an Auburn fan and you've been living under a rock these past couple days, so we'll let you know what happened. So, on I believe it was Monday afternoon, or was it Tuesday? Tuesday. It was Tuesday. I was in the middle of trying to study. It was Tuesday afternoon. First came out that Yoan Treyor is intending to enter the transfer portal, as reported on his Instagram account and Tipton edits as well as the more big shock was Chance Westry saying he's going to enter the transfer portal. He's not posted an official statement like Yoan Treyor yet, but that was from uh, Joseph Tipton of the, of, of I think, On3 now. Yes. Yeah. So that's that. So they both have not entered the portal. I think I can speak for myself and mainly other ones. I think I could see this coming with Johan. Chance yeah. is kind of out of left field. I did not see this coming at all, especially with the way people have been talking about like how he's gotten next up, which I think really concerns me because I feel like, there's some minutes promising going on to some other point guards who might have removed Auburn out of their bio and stuff. That I think that's what Ten was just looking at. He's like, "No, I'm not doing that." Yeah, I um like obviously Chance Westry, the ninth um, ranked recruit ever in the history of the program, comes in four star combo guard and is supposed to make a difference right away. In October, he had to get knee surgery. Same day, Coach Furl to get the same surgery, which is kind of cool. Um. And then, you know, just about the Tennessee game on the road in early February, he pulled up in street clothes, and then they had decided to shut it down for the year. So just never really able to get it going, um, that nagging knee injury all year, redshirted this season. Like, I thought that's kind of what it was. And I think, I think yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I thought that, like, he thought he could come back. I think he – probably think he knew he could play some but they're like no I think it was kind of a thing of maybe Auburn being a little bit too selfish maybe trying to get that extra year potentially yeah um either that or I mean knee surgery is tough to come back from Mm -hmm. um it's probably knees and ankles are two of the injuries that will just linger the most Mm -hmm. so um I think half of it was probably him just really wanting to play but Bruce being like, no, like we just, it's not worth the risk. But the fact that he's just like every, the main stable everyone's like looking forward to for next year too. Which right. Really, I mean, people were like, well, he's transferred. To, he wasn't went to three high schools now, be two colleges. But like, if you're Auburn, I'm, I'm sounding the alarm now, and here's why: you had three guys signed for your 2022 class, or now I guess 2026 for college class. Two of them have gone. One's a five-star and one was a very high four-star. Your only one left is Trey Donaldson. You have not made any significant news or ideas in the transfer portal yet. You need something to happen right now. If you do not want to have the same situation it was this year, where you're not going to you're not going to be preseason ranked. Let's just get that out of the way right now. You're not going to be preseason ranked unless you get these big top transfer people. 
you're not going to be preseason ranked. So it's a matter of you're not going to have a head start over everything. So you have to earn what you got, which is what kind of hurt us this year. But it's not looking good right now. I'm just got to say that to be truthful. Like I'm not very high on next year yet. I'm not either. Um, we have one newcomer at this point, either recruit or transfer. Um, Aiden Holloway. Holloway. McDonald's All-American point guard out of California. Out of Charlotte. Out of Charlotte. Um, wait, really? Yeah. He's from – he went to my rival high school, and then he transferred to Lollamere Window okay. Green, and then he went to Perlita Prep. That's right. Um, but, yeah, just one guard. That's not really – do we – the fact that we we just need people, man. Yeah. Um, I was really high on Denver Jones, a transfer point guard out of FIU, 6'4", which I love tall guards. I just I don't really vibe with the five eleven point guard. I, I don't, don't want I don't want Caleb Black. You don't? No. Oh. Eh. Or Caleb Love. Sorry, I was thinking of Leaky Black. Caleb Love. Yeah. I was Same thing. Say, yeah. No. 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 Not Caleb Love. I just don't. No. But we spent too much time on that. We'll probably hear more of those news in the later days. Let's get to NHL real quickly. So, as we'll do, we're on to the Eastern Conference standings real quick in first place, and I believe that Y means they have clinched. The uh, division title, yes, yes, they have. It is the Boston Bruins, 119 points, 57, 12, and 5. They have clinched the Eastern Conference, um, followed closely, uh, not closely at all, by the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are now 21 points behind them at 98. And then Tampa Bay Lightning, Florida Panthers, Buffalo Sabres, Ottawa Senators, Detroit Red Wings, and now eliminated from playoff contention is the Montreal Canadiens. I really dislike Montreal a lot, <laughs> so seeing them down there does not make me sad at all. And seeing my beloved Boston Bruins really just dominating is awesome. Moving on to the Metropolitan Division, three teams have clinched the playoffs. It is the Carolina Hurricanes, New Jersey Devils, and the New York Rangers, followed by the Islanders, Penguins, Capitals, Flyers, and eliminated from postseason contention is the Columbus Blue Jackets. I feel like we talked about how Columbus just really collapsed this year every single episode, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think the Islanders are going to grab that fourth spot, and – I'm always high on the Islanders every year in the playoffs, but mm-hmm. I feel like they could make some noise this year. Yes. Moving on to the Western Conference, the Minnesota Wild are currently in first place, yet to clinch postseason contention yet. 44 wins, 22 losses, 9 overtime losses, 97 points, followed three points behind by the Stars and the Avalanche, then the Jets, Predators, Blues, and eliminated from playoff contention, the Coyotes and the Blackhawks. Blackhawks are on a six-game losing streak. That's what they should be doing, so props to them. They're finally learning, hey, let's tank now, so we Bedard does not go to Columbus. Uh, Moving on to the Pacific and still the most tight region, I think, for the top spot, it is the Vegas Golden Knights at 98 points, 46, 22, and 6, followed by the Los Angeles Kings, two points behind at 96, and three points behind the Knights are the Edmonton Oilers at 95, then the Kraken, Flames, Canucks, and eliminated from postseason contention, the Ducks and the Sharks. I love the Ducks and the Sharks. Like, if the Bruins just were wiped off the face of the earth, I would either become an Anaheim or a San Jose fan. Zegris is awesome. Oh, yes. So seeing them both be so terrible is hard. He's a beast. And then points, again, Connor McDavid's at the top of everything. 143 points, 60 goals. Uh, It's basically all Boston plus minus, or three-fifths of it. Lindholm, Grizzlick, and Carlo. And then Olmark's at the top of every goaltending statistic. I love Linus Olmark so much. And just the fact, like, I always point this out, but it really shows how meaning meaningless of a stat plus minus is if Brandon Carlo's on this list. Mm-hmm. Like, Brandon Carlo is like a third-line forward. He just doesn't really do much, and he just gets very lucky that they seem to score when he's on the ice. 
So mm. maybe I've got to give credit for that. Just good things seem to happen when he's out there. Yeah. And moving on now, let's go to the NBA. So the standings now in the Eastern Conference. There are three, four teams who have clinched the postseason contention currently, and they have clinched the division. It is the Milwaukee Bucks. They are at 55 wins, 21 losses. They are three games above the Boston Celtics, three behind. And then five behind the Bucks are the 76ers. And clinching postseason contention, I think, recently were the Cleveland Cavaliers, seven and a half games back of the Bucks. The last two teams who are currently in the automatic in the playoffs are the Knicks and the Nets, followed in the play-in tournament by the Heat. The Atlanta Hawks, Toronto Raptors, and intent right now is the Chicago Bulls. Close behind them are the Wizards. 22 and a half games behind the Bucks are the Pacers. The Magic somehow are still in postseason contention. And then eliminated are the Charlotte Hornets and the Detroit Pistons. I love the Magic. They're one of the teams. They're one of the NBA teams of all time. <laughs> Moving on to the Western Conference. Three teams have clinched the postseason contention already. It is the Denver Nuggets. They are at 51 wins, 24 losses, followed by the Grizzlies at three and a half games back, 48-28. And the Sacramento Kings for snappy longest postseason drought in major American sports of the top four leagues. They have made the postseason for the first time in, I believe, 16 years. or It was 2006 when they last made it, so maybe 70. I don't know. Very long time. And then followed behind them are the Suns, Clippers, and Warriors in the Last teams are automatically in the playoffs. And then it goes Timberwolves, Lakers, Pelicans, and Thunder in the playing tournament. Currently sitting outside the playing tournament is the Dallas Mavericks at 15 games back and as well as the Utah Jazz. So the Lakers have kind of gotten it together without LeBron, which makes you think, Daniel. How does that affect LeBron's legacy? I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe it's him. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm the problem, as he tweeted about when Kyrie went to the Mavericks. Uh, and then the Portland Trailblazers are still in it, but way, way, way far out of postseason contention are the San Antonio Spurs and the Houston Rockets, who have lost their last seven games. That's I really hate to see that for a boy Jabari Smith. I mean, yeah, you just you you go where you get drafted, but yeah, not hey that that combo next year of James Harden coming back, uh, Jabari and Wimbenyana. Even though I want Wimignana and Charlotte, and Charlotte's currently lined up to pick Brandon Miller, which would be mm. not a good PR look for either side. Well, it's Charlotte. Come on, so we're used to we're used to the drama, but you know, there's that. And now the Charlotte Hornets hold the longest active postseason drought in the uh, NBA, so that's fun. I guess they, I guess they don't count. We lost to the Hawks last year in the playing game by thirty. Yeah, I guess like it's weird to see if they consider play-in playoffs or not. It's like, do you consider the first four of the tournament? No. I don't either. So, there's that. So, Hornets, not good. Everyone knows that, though. But looking at just some of the stuff around the league, just that top of the East is just going to get real competitive. If Milwaukee just keeps winning, we have, what, another five, six games? Um, Yes. Left, especially so, I mean, Milwaukee's kind of sitting pretty at that one spot right now, but anything can happen. I think the big thing for uh, – Boston is to stay in that two spot over the 76ers because then you're going to play one of these teams out of the bottom um, from the play-in tournament, which I don't know. If the Heat get hot at the right time, that could be a problem, but I don't really see any of these other teams giving Celtics a hard time. I don't know what you're thinking, but. I don't know. Um, The Celtics are great against teams with winning records, but whenever they play a team in the lottery, they just forget how to play basketball completely. 
Which is the so, exact opposite of what the Hornets do. Because right. we somehow beat the Mavericks twice on the road. Which is... You just never know. We're 5-5 five and five in our last 10. We should be tanking, but... Yeah, we... Tr- Bryce McGowan's out of Nebraska last year was our starting point guard against the Mavericks, and we won the other night. Really? Yes. That's funny. P.J. Washington had 43 points. <laughs> 43. We should not be winning games without LaMelo, but... No. I mean, I'm excited for NBA. I mean, what's kind of what we were last year with NHL and NBA. We were here for, like, the first round and then part of the second round. So mm-hmm. that's kind of weird because these playoffs... The NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs are just so long for no reason. Yeah. It's just, they drag it out. So, especially with the NBA, especially when they get to the finals, it's like three days apart from each game. Like, no, just do like one day apart. You don't need that, that much rest. But I guess that's a debate for another time as we are out of time. But do not worry. When we come back, I believe we are starting our MOB coverage. Yeah, I think so, everything else is taken care of. I think everything else is coming uh, taken care of. If we have any breaking news, we'll let you know. But when we come back, our MLB preview starts. So you're not going to want to miss it. All baseball, all the time. We come back. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Griggs Blankenberg, Daniel Locke here with you. It's time for the MLB preview. It's funny. If you if you're a longtime listener of the Eagles Nest, you're very familiar with how our MLB special last year was very very planned out. Well, it's a different era. Griggs and I are busier academically. Mm-hmm. socially, everything we're involved in. So we don't have nearly as much show planning time as we once did. So I guess what we did last year, was, uh, since everyone around here is an NL East fan, I guess we'll go with that one last. But I was thinking maybe we could start with the like top 100 list like last year. That was kind of fun to get through. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Let's see if we could find that, pull that up real quick. Are you looking at ESPNs or MOBs? Um, which one do you want to do? Uh, I guess ESPN because I saw it. I'll send you the link to that. But we could start with that and see what we agree with on that. But, yeah, baseball's back. Uh, I've heard conflicting reports about what I should feel like as a Cubs fan right now. I know our pitching is our relief pitching is not the greatest, but I've heard some stuff. I, if, hey, if Cody Bellinger plays like he did in 2019, Eric Hosmer plays like he did in 2015. If Dansby Swanson plays like he did in 2022. Yes, exactly. So, as long as players play like their old selves, we should be okay. But nonetheless, let's get it started with our – let's go through the 100 list real quickly. I'm going to start – I guess we'll start at the top, or are we going all the way to the bottom, I guess, first? I mean, let's just start at 100. Let's start at the bottom. So the 100th best player in the MLB, according to um, uh, ESPN.com, is Eloy Jimenez, former Cubs prospect. I think he was traded for – I can't remember who he got traded for. I think it was for Jose Quintana. That sounds right. I think that's what it was. I mean, I think that's a fair assessment. A hundred. I'm just trying to think. I'm probably naming a lot of people above him, but not too many that they're missing out at least yet. Yeah. Uh, Ninety-nine. Teoscar Hernandez. He had a big year last year, mm-hmm. so I think this is a fair spot for him. Deserved. Uh, Logan Gilbert. Three point two zero ERA last year. Um, high fastball command. It's just weird to see the Mariners being relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 97, Lucas Giolito. So we're through four players, and everyone's either been a White Sox or a Mariner. Yes. Uh, number 96, Kentel Marte. Second baseman for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Kind of had a oh, pretty good last year. Um, hamstring injury, like had him struggle a little bit, but we'll see if he's back or not. 
Yes. Uh, let's keep going. Let's do what we did last year. We read 10 names in a row, and then we'll see what we stand out. Okay. So, K. Brian Hayes of the Pittsburgh Pirates. 94, Wilson Contreras of the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> That's underrated, but it just hurts to see that. But I get it. Get your bag. Um, yeah, it's going to hurt. I mean, I guess I see why he's 94. I mean, he's not as consistent as you want, like, hitting, but def- defensively he's very, very good. He's probably the best uh, defensive catcher, I'd say, that they could have replaced Yadier Molina with. Yeah. Uh, number 93, Dalton Varsho. Uh, number 92, Luis Robert Jr. So already two White Sox outfielders off the board. Uh, number 91, George Kirby, another Mariner. So we had six Mariners and White Sox combined in the, top, in the first 10 players. There's that. Uh, number 90, Willie Adams of the shortstop of the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> okay, so this just the bottom 10 of this list. Uh, I just don't really know what I think about it. Like, Wilson Contreras at 94 just seems really, really low. And I know, like, he's not the most consistent hitter, but a catcher's not really designed to be the most consistent hitter. Obviously, it's not like a pitcher to where catchers don't hit, because they certainly do. But, I mean, the priority for a catcher needs to be defense, in my opinion. Mm -hmm, Yeah, but, yeah, with Wilson Contreras. Want um, me to read yeah, the, you read the next eight. You read it to eighty then. Okay, so at eighty nine, Jose Abreu, first baseman for the Houston Astros, number ninety or er, number eighty eight, Tyler Glass now a starting pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. At eighty seven, Clayton Kershaw, starting pitcher, Los Angeles Dodgers. Eighty six, Sterling Marte, right fielder, New York Mets, i.e. the most overrated team in baseball. <laughs> 85, Kevin Gossman, a starting pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays, former Tampa Bay Ray. 84, Randy Rosarena, left fielder for the Tampa Bay Rays. My personal favorite player is not on the Red Sox. Who, Randy Rosarena? I love Randy. I do like him, too. He's MLB The Show legend a couple years ago for me. Oh, for sure. 83, Luis Arreyes, second baseman, Miami Marlins. First Marlin we've seen on the list. Number 82, Matt Chapman, third baseman of the Toronto Blue Jays. Number 81, Kyle Schwarber Ugh. from Waltham, Massachusetts, former Red Sox, former Indiana Hoosier. He's played for a lot of teams I F- like. Former what? Indiana Hoosier. You're forgetting a name in there. I don't think I am. Yeah, you are. The one who gave him a ring. Oh, you mean almost the Red Sox in 2021. No, I'm talking about the 2016 Chicago Cubs who gave Kyle Schwarber uh-huh. a ring after he was out almost the entire year and then came back triumphantly in the World Series, which was awesome. That's what it's all about. Yes, but and I think we should go to the top 30 80. or something. Oh wait, after yeah. after you Darvish. So I mean, I think I think that's low for you. I think that's really low for you, Darvish. Eighty? Yeah, that's that's. He was in. He was the Cy Young winner, and I think two years ago. He was. Yeah, that's super low, especially for a Padres team that everyone's very high on this year. All right, let's go to the top thirty. Since I don't think we're gonna have a lot of time, we keep doing this. What we do? So number thirty is Shane Bieber. Now you got there fast. Mm. Uh, Twenty nine, Pete Alonso. Now are we talking Pete Alonso, who's Biggest win every year is the uh, home run derby, because I think Pete Alonso is a top ten player. If we're only talking about the home run derby, but yeah, just anyone on the Mets, I just have, I just hesitate to really put a lot of stock into it, just because I don't really think the Mets are legitimate. I'll put stock in Scherzer and Verlander still, but that's about it right now. Uh, uh, Xander Bogarts, twenty eight. I think so. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Just we were just talking about Max Scherzer, twenty seven. I think that's good. He's still very consistent. I do still think the Mets have the best one-two in baseball for starting pitchers. I mean, it's hard to deny with Verlander winning the Cy Young last year and then 
Scherzer multiple times, Cy Young winner. Even though they do lose to Grom, you get Verlander. So, I mean, he's going to play in the Rangers, so basically the same. Uh, Aaron Nola, 26 for the uh, Philadelphia Phillies. Okay, with that. Fernando Tatis Jr. Now, this is an interesting one. Who did not play the entire 2022 season, suffered from a wrist injury and then a steroid suspension. Yeah, so he's not even he's not even on the opening day roster, right? He's still. I don't think he is. I think he still is like about thirty games to serve on that. I suspension. do think I remember we, us talking about that last year. Yes, so he do does have that. So, I mean, he's very electric. He's exciting, but I don't know, man. They gave him a lot of money for him not to play as mu- that much. Yeah, and the fact that I just don't get seeing these teams like the Braves are bad about this, in my opinion. Locking a rookie up. No, the Braves do a great job because just underpaying everyone. Right. Like, you can get good value, but I don't know. You're taking a big risk when you, like, lock a kid up when he's a rookie. Because, mm. you know, what if that – we've really seen one year Fernando Tatis Jr., in all honesty. Yeah, that's truthful. So, we don't know what he really is. Because look at Jason Hayward. He was amazing his rookie year. He never got that good again. I mean, that's yeah, yes, that is very true, coming from someone who experienced the awfulness of Jason Hayward's postseason hitting. Uh, 24, Carlos Correa. Um, 23, Corbin Burns of the Milwaukee Brewers. 22, Justin Verlander, New York Mets. 21, JT Realmuto, I think the best catcher in baseball right now, I'd Definitely say. one of them. And then 20, Rafael Devers. Gotta love Rafi, man. That's a huge contract. 10-year, $313 million. Hey, I wish they had given another one to his fellow um, or uh, left side infielder uh, in Xander Bogarts, but no. Uh, I wish we had J.D. Martinez back, but no. <laughs> As your jersey? Oh, wait, no. What's your jersey? Andrew Benintendi. Yes. Royals legend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number 19, Garrett Cole. Boo. Spider tag. Sticky, <laughs> sticky, sticky. Kermit the Frog. Any nickname you want, I've got him. Kermit the Frog's, I think, um, Mahomes. Okay, it <laughs> so. could be both of them. Uh, Austin Riley, 18. I'd say so. I think that was the first players the Braves like actually like, you know what, let's pay this guy. Not give like 10 years, $100 million to our most electric player in Acuna. But let's give this guy the money. I mean, in the Braves' defense, no one was forcing him to sign the dotted line on that. That's That just seems like extortion, honestly, to that point. I mean, they're 10 years for $100 million That's for a him? deal. Yeah, but if I'm Acuna's agent, I'm like, we just signed for what? Well, I mean, he was a part of that process. I mean, apparently, I guess. Uh, number 17, France, uh, Francisco Lindor of the Mets. Uh, 16, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Kind of had a little bit of a fall off last year from what he was in 2021, but he can get back to there, I think. He can, but I'm just always very hesitant with rookies. Uh, number 15, Jordan Alvarez of the Houston Astros. Still very good. Oh, yes. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., number 14 for the right fielder for the Atlanta Braves. Still didn't have a great as great as year last year. Still coming back from that ACL injury he had in 2021. Yeah, I'm really hoping that he's back at full strength this year because when this guy's on, he is one of my favorite players to watch in baseball. Mm-hmm. Number 13, Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Guardians, third baseman. Paul Goldschmidt, number 12 of the St. Louis Cardinals. Still very good. Uh, Sandy Alcantara of the Miami Marlins starting pitcher at number 11. 
He is so good. I think he could definitely. If the Marlins aren't competing, I think he's definitely a trade deadline target for some teams. Oh, yeah, it gotta be. Number 10, now into the top 10, Nolan Arenado, third baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals. You're not going to like to hear this. I'm very high on the Cardinals this year. I know. Everyone, everyone's high on the Cardinals. Have you seen the, the NL Central? Yeah. Yeah, not great. Uh, number nine, Mookie Betts, right fielder, Los Angeles Dodgers. This is one of those things that just still hurts, seeing mm-hmm. Mookie Betts in a uniform that's not a Red Sox one. Uh, number eight, Trey Turner of the Philadelphia Phillies. I like how he's the only one on here who's like pictures in practice gear and not in a game uniform. Very true. He's still very fast, very, very good. Um, number seven, Julio Rodriguez. Now, this I is, think this is a little high. Okay, yeah. This I was going to say, this is the first time on this list there's been something I just completely disagree with. Is he top 20? Probably. Is he top 10? No Not chance. yet, no. No, I, I need I need more. Yeah, same. Um, number six, Juan Soto. I forgot he's a Padre now too. Jeez, I think, man. I think maybe not six, maybe around eight, nine, maybe for him. I don't think six yet. I know we'll get into this later, but is this the year that the Dodgers are finally going to be like, oh crap? We're about. To, we'll find out, I guess. Number five, Freddie Freeman, oh, Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, you can't say that as much. I know you're a Red Sox fan first, but I mean, his agent kind of messed it up, but. I mean, he could, you could tell when he went back to Atlanta. It was, yeah. Well, oh, sad. Number four, Manny Machado, third baseman, Padres. Very electric player still. Uh, number three, Aaron Judge. Boo. I mean, he's not going to get 60 again. I think he'll get around 40. Bro, if he gets 60 again, I don't care. Suspend him for life because he's clearly cheating. <laughs> uh, number two, Mike Trout of the Los Angeles Angels. That's... Well, you know, who number, you know who number one is. Yeah. Be. Shohei Otani, starting pitcher DH for the Los Angeles Angels in a contract year for him, which could be his last. Is this the last year we see Shohei Otani? Shohei Otani, let's do this before we go to break. Does Shohei Otani end the year in an Angels uniform? Yes or no? Only if they're in contention. Only if they're in contention. Well, with the two best players in baseball, you'd think they do that. You well, would think. But they've not for the past three years. No, bullpen's awful. But that is going to do it for our first little bit on MLB. When we come back, I guess we're just going to get into the previews of everything. Why not, right? Yes, so do not go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Somehow, in that two-minute PSA break, Griggs and I got out to Seattle to talk about the NL and AL West. I don't know how that happened. I don't know either. Well, let's go ahead and start. I guess we'll start in the NL. That is the Dodgers, Padres, Giants, Rockies, and the Diamondbacks. The main focus from this one will probably be the Dodgers and the Padres. Is this the year? Daniel's kind of introing it. Is this the year that the Dodgers are taking off of their perch in the A in the NL West? We thought that might have been last year. Then the Tatis stuff happened, and then the Dodgers got up to a very insurmountable lead. All I'm really going to say is that if this isn't the year that the Padres can finally overtake the Dodgers, that is a colossal waste of money. Mm. And that everyone that they've acquired should just go back to their previous team, including Xander Bogarts. <laughs> just revoke the teams? Yes. Yeah, it's, it would, they need to do something. I don't think... Did they make... They went into... They made it to the... They didn't... Weren't they the wild card and they made it to the NL Championship? Yes. Yes, they did because they lost to the Phillies. I do remember that. Which is still is they did that without their, because Tatis is the Padres. I mean, you can't pay him that much money at this young age and not be in. And technically, they only got one more. This is, again, we were talking about this also last year. Some this is Tatis, 
is they're going to have, I think, 30 or 40 games without Tatis and um, Soto together because Soto's on his last deal of his current contract. Dang. With this, when he got traded, because he had a year and a half left on his deal when he got moved from the Nats. So I wonder if the um, I wonder if the Padres are going to be able to afford to keep him. I mean, I guess I there's just so many things they have to pay now, especially if they paid Bogarts, they paid um, Tatis already, the Machado. Machado. You got to find someone in there. They got you Darvish. They have these Joe Musgrove. All Blake these people. Mm, all these names. Yeah, I don't think they can. Something's got to give. Besides our teams, I think they win in any name off we have. I agree. And maybe, and maybe not the Braves, but you know what I'm saying. Because around here. And then the Dodgers, I mean, not really any big, big news here this offseason from what I can remember. I know they signed um, they signed Kershaw to another one-year deal. Um, they lost Bellinger, who was struggling a little bit last year to the Cubs. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's still the Dodgers. I mean, they still have their main pitching staff rotation still around, so – Urias is the starter for today, but yeah, if, if it's going to be any year, the, if the Dodgers get overtaken by the Padres, it's going to be this one. And then I just don't see the Giants or the Rockies, Diamondbacks doing anything. No, I can see the Diamondbacks making maybe surprising some people, but I just don't see anything else. I could, but the Rockies are going to be pretty bad, and the Giants are going to be mid. Yeah, and moving on to the speaking of mid, moving on to the NL, the AL West, where we have the Angels, Athletics, Mariners, Rangers, and the Astros. I think everyone mainly is predicting the Astros to run away with this division once again. Yeah, this one's not going to be close. Um, obviously, the Rangers made some additions. They got Jacob Degrom, um, a few other guys, but I still don't. I I think they're still a year or two at minimum away from being that team. Um, you're not going to have Tavares. He has an oblique strain. That's You see, you've already been hit with that. Mm-hmm. Just um, as a Red Sox fan, they released Sandy Leone from a minor league contract. So, you know, if, you, if you're not even going to have Sandy Leone in your minor leagues, like that's, that's just not a good look. Yeah, and then what we were talking about earlier, I mean, the Angels have to do something this year. You absolutely have to do something if Shohei is going to – the thing is, can they pay both Shohei and Trout? Because I, here's the thing. Though, I don't think so. Because the thing that's been hindering them for years is they just have no pitching besides, I, now I guess, Otani. Because like the stats, like the meme was like, Trout went three for four with uh, a two-run home run and a double, and then they lose like six to six to like three. Yeah. I just I don't see why Mike Trout would have re-signed. I mean, I know it's the money, but, and, you know, you might not be bad forever. But I would want to go contend. And you're never going to beat the team in L.A. No. That's just a fact. No. Um, A's are going to be awful. Um, I want to see the Mariners do good again, kind of what they did last year again. That's cool. They have a, a lot of names that are starting to pop up on lists. We were just talking about Julio Rodriguez. is very fun to watch. But other than, I mean, other than that with the West, I mean, I just don't really see too much that's just, like, standing out to me because they have the two – you got the one favorite in the AL and the Astros, and then you got the two battling in the West, which are the Dodgers and the Padres, which I think it was last year were both – or no, the wildcard teams were the Mets and the Padres, right? Yeah. So that was that. But I just, the, with the West, I mean, just with the in, the AL, I mean, I don't think the Rangers are going to be that good at all because, like – No. I, I know you get to ground. I feel like there's, like, one signing each offseason. Like, this very good player will just go to some, like – Unbelievably mid team. Like I'm trying to think of an example that I can. Sh- I mean, Correa to the Twins a couple years ago was like, yeah. what in the world's going on? 
and that's still that and that's still going on. But then like I don't know, someone like went to like the Tigers or something just out of mm-hmm. nowhere. That would kind of be the same thing. But just with like I mean, just the Astros just have it set up so easily. Even though the schedule I didn't know this until yesterday, where the schedules are each team at least plays each other at least once per year now, which I didn't realize that was a rule change now. So I don't know how many times they're playing divisional opponents again this year because they used to think it was like I think the MLB thing was like this your your team isn't playing their same teams in your division sixteen times in a year now. Yeah. Which is like okay. But then that's cool, like all the other teams are playing against each other. But that might hinder the Astros just a little bit because for as long as you can, the past couple of years it's been you beat up on the A's, you beat up on the Rangers, you beat up on the Angels, and then last year a little bit you battled out with the Mariners for a little bit, even though you ran away with it because you just destroyed the other three teams. Right. Which I like. I think that's good for competitive balance because and it's also like the the um, Tampa Bay Rays come to mind with mm. what I'm about to say. There was a year, I, I think it was 2018, where they won 98 games, but were on the outside looking in because that AL East is so tough. Um, so it's just better on teams like that because it's just your, your schedule won't be quite as bad, and plus the extra wild card spot really helps. But yeah, I just think it, you know, gives these teams. Like, more of a shot. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. It's just the matter of just, like, I, you want the, them to be competitive. I mean, but the Astros just retained so much. I mean, the only big name I can remember them losing was um was Verlander to the Mets. Right. I mean, I guess they lost Mancini, but that was, like, more of a late-year addition. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's just, like. And I don't, like, they picked up Christian Vasquez from the Red Sox, but I don't know if he's still playing. It's just that combo of Altuve and Bregman is just still so, so strong, where it's just like, they like this team is like, use an example, um, I'm trying to say it with like a professional sports team in like America. I mean, I guess I could just say the Warriors, just because like they've kept that same core together for that long, mm-hmm. which is like they can still like afford to like lose guys. I mean, like Springer has been gone for three years now. Correa has been gone for, Two, I, two or two or three, I think, and they just still been able to win even without the cheating stuff now. Because I think they needed that World Series win last year. I think to just be like, okay, we finally won one. Now back off, everyone. Yeah, kind of like that. Like we knew we we knew we made a mistake, even though the players didn't really say that as much, and they kind of got lucked out because twenty twenty. But I guess that's what they needed was just to win that one, just to be like, we actually can do it. Like that's not held over our heads now for ever. Yeah. That is the one team that I will root for the Yankees over. Whoa. Even I won't do that. Um, The only reason that was because I just kind of felt bad because I really felt like, you know, the Yankees got cheated out of a chance to play in the World Series in 2017. But here we were this year with a Yankees team that was better than that 2017 team, and they got swept. So that's gone. Like the Yankees had their shot. They blew it, like always. Like all these Yankees fans in my mentions on Twitter telling me it's the year, when they've been saying that since I was in first grade, and it's never been the year. Hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it just goes to show to just like you just can't throw money at everything and solve your problems. Like, no, you can't. Par- like PSG, Man City, all this stuff like soccer, you just can't throw. That's money why at the it. richest among us are the most miserable. I mean, yeah, I mean the teams that are like the top payroll. It's like Mets, Yankees, Dodgers, Cubs. I mean, like. Haven't besides like the Yankees, everyone really didn't have much to go off of last year. Nope. Um, but then just with the going back a little bit to the uh, the NL West, it's just like 
you want one more of those West teams to be competitive because then oh, it just gets sure. into a battle of like the wild cards. Like it would have to be the Giants, I guess, this year out of those five to battle the top two. Because I just don't really see a way the Rockies can. Yeah, unless the Rockies just come out of nowhere, which you can tell if a team's gonna come out of nowhere. Or and not. the you and the can. and the Diamondbacks still have a few pieces like Kentel Marte. It's just not like enough to do it. Like I agree because those top two teams they just have guys and just like with the Giants. I mean, I just I can't really even put any. I, no one really comes to Miami when I think about the Giants right now because they just had all that success back in the early 2010s and just really kind of nothing to show for it ever since um, 2014 happened. Yeah, um, because people would say like they won three World Series in four years. And it was they were the even five. year team. Yeah, the even year team, and they just haven't really gotten back to that point. Like they've had some good years. Um, you know, they made the NLDS in twenty twenty one, but they're just not really that great anymore. It's a different time. You know, like Madison Bumgarner's no longer with the team. Um, Buster Posey, if he's even still playing, is old. Same with Brandon Crawford. They're just not what they were. Yeah, I just it's gonna be the Dodgers, the Padres. I know that, but I just want one more team because just the NL Central is just not good. Besides yeah. the Cardinals, just no one. And like, it's gonna take the. I mean, I guess the wild cards are gonna go to the Padres and then the Mets and the Phillies, but just like or the Braves or something like like that. But I just want some like down the stretch action in like the National League. I right now I just don't really see that being a possibility. I agree because like. Everything's just so set in stone. Meanwhile, like, well, like last year, the American League East, there was like three or four teams who were battling it after that, like one last wild card spot with that, just because they were all up near there. Because the Central last year was terrible, the West was not good at all, and it was just the East, just the top. I mean, the Yankees were winning, the Blue Jays, the Rays kind of flipped back and forth all year, even with the Orioles, too. But yeah, that is going to do it for our talk on the West. When we come back, we're breaking down the American League Central and the NL Central. So do not go anywhere. Second hour of the show is coming right up. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome to the second hour of the show as our annual MLB kickoff spectacular. Yes, it is. So now we talked to the last segment about the AL West. Now we're going to get into the NL, uh, the centrals of both. And let's start off in the AL. We have the White Sox, Guardians, Tigers, Royals, and Twins. Last year we thought it was going to be a little bit more competitive at the top between the Sox, Guardians, and the Twins. However, the Guardians decided to get rid of all that and make their claim known early and went out to a very large lead and took that division last year. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I feel like there's going to be a lot of pressure on the White Sox to be competitive this year. Especially with all the national media pressure and local media pressure on the White Sox to get to the World Series and win it last year. But Yeah, that, no, that didn't happen. That did not happen at all. So one of these Chicago teams has got to do something. I'm not so sure about that, but that would be nice, at least one of them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the White Sox just have what it takes, I think, but I don't know, the Guardians just seem so experienced. Like, who even is the White Sox manager now? It's not Tony La Russa anymore, I think. Um, I feel like I should know this, but I don't. I'll look at their coaching stuff. I just don't think it should be that. But, I mean, they still got some dudes. Like, their pitchers are still pretty good. Like, Dylan Cease, Mike Clevenger, um, Liam Hendricks. Is, 
Liam Hendricks the one undergoing cancer treatments right now? Or, uh, I think so. I think that's what it was with him. Uh, Michael Kopech, people remember that. He was, like, throwing, like, 102 and stuff in, like, spring trainings a couple years ago. I didn't know they had Joe Kelly now. Oh, yeah. I noticed. Oh, yeah, Joe Kelly. And then um, they also have Lance Lynn. What a name. What a player back in the day. Um, And then their intro is, I mean, like, Tim Anderson. I mean, he's the, the guy. I mean, Yoan Moncada, former number one overall prospect. Just all these, like, they have the ability to contend for something like that. I mean, the guy in the back of your jersey right now, Andrew Benatendi. Oh, yes. When they only have three outfielders on their roster. So that'll be fun if one of them goes down early. But, again, two of the three were in the top 100 for the list. Or in the top 90, at least. But they were both in there. But, I mean, they got a chance. They they should be. But kind of what you're saying, like, they need to start doing it soon because they just had all these expectations on them. I mean – I think the last time they won a playoff series was in uh, 2005 when they won it all. Yeah. Just They just need to do – like, because their division isn't that good. Like, you could fight for a wild card, I think, pretty easily. I really think so. Um, definitely one of the not-as-competitive divisions in baseball because, like, obviously the twin – or, excuse me, the Tigers and the Royals are pretty bad. Just going to tell it like it is. Yeah, I know. So, the White Sox, the Guardians, and the Twins. It's going to be one of those three, right? Mm-hmm. I, obviously, the Guardians are good. They had a really good year last year. The White Sox, they're supposed to be good this year. And the Twins, the jury's just kind of still out. We'll, we'll have to just wait and see. I mean, yeah, speaking, let's go to the Twins. I mean, the story is Carlos Correa coming back after being denied by, I think, two or three teams? Yeah, because the Red Sox. The Giants and then the Mets, and then he went back to the Twins. But I just don't know what all that's about. I mean, I guess they're like, we just can't lose, like, our main name guy. Maybe so, but. But for a team that should be better than what they are, I think that's the story. The, the, the division of teams who should be better than who they are, I think it's this one. Yeah. Because they have, like, Joan Durant, one of the best closers last year in baseball. All-star. Incredible pitcher in the show, too. Just the, uh, But they just don't really have what it takes on the starting pitching side of things. And, like, their best player is Carlos Correa and then, like, Byron Buxton. That's, like, it. And then Joey Gallo is now their designated hitter. So they don't have a lot of names, but I think it just really comes down to that starting pitching stuff again. I agree. Um, Tigers, um, I think they said this is Miguel Cabrera's last year, right? Yes. I think that is. Not a great way for him to go out with his team, but, you know, worse things have happened. Um, trying to see if any names I recognize on their starting he roster. He is so loyal to this mm-hmm. team. I mean, you got Baez. That's about it, though. You got Baez and then Miguel Cabrera as the DH. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for M- Miguel Cabrera. But I do mean, I mean, he went to the World Series with them back in, what, 2012, I think, maybe? Yeah. I mean, people forget the Tigers at the time had Scherzer and they had Verlander. Well, guess what? They now have, the Mets now have that again. So I guess it's funny. But, yeah, the the Tigers were a good team, like, back then. Like, they had the teams that made to the World Series and stuff. And now just, it's really nothing. Like, it's not been anything impressive ever. Yeah, they're just not really that good. And then let's go to the Royals. I mean, speaking of not really impressed, I mean, I mean, I'm I like the Royals always because my dad kind of like liked them growing up a little bit. Like George Brett, he loved him. 
So I've always been kind of had a soft spot for the Royals. But, like, again, their roster. I mean, you got our oldest Chapman on your roster. I think that just pretty much sums everything up with how your pitching staff right now is just not there. Now, if this was 2012, your pitching staff would be one of the best in baseball because you also have Zach Greinke. Right. So, and then Brady's uh, singer, for, uh, former Florida pitcher, still with them. I mean, you got Salvador Perez, still one of the top three or four catchers in the league. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I think he is still there. Jackie Bradley Jr., former Red Sox in their outfield. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr., I think they're a big prospect. They need something from this year. And then, yeah, just not nothing really much else in that regard. Just, eh. No more Whit Merrifield. Sad. We, uh, I met him at the weight game. You didn't. No, I was in the restroom. <laughs> uh, and then now we talked about the Twins. Let's go to the Guardians. So this should be the team that should run away with this division. Um, Shane Bieber, one of the best pitchers in baseball. Uh, Emmanuel Classe. Top closer, I think, in the league right now with the the, the um, Diaz injury. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but all-star last year, very, very good. Yeah. Um, Again, kind of lacking a little bit on that starting pitching front, but you have a great one-two punch, really, with Bieber to start and then Classe to close. Um, They have three catchers on their opening day roster, which is very interesting. Um, Big names in the infield, you got Josh Bell and, of course, Jose Ramirez. And then the outfield, not really seeing anything. So I mean, yeah, and like Josh Bell at DH. Mm-hmm. That's about all I'm really. Yeah. Let's go on to the NL Central now, starting with the Brewers. Let's look through their roster real quick. I think this is a team that finished very close to the playoffs last year, but the Cardinals took the division. Um, Corbin Burns is the big name for them, their opening day guy. Former Cy Young winner from a couple years ago, still very, very good. Um, other people, Wade Miley, still pretty good. Hey, Brandon Woodruff was good last year. Mm-hmm. Devin Williams, very good relief pitcher for them as well. Um, William Contreras is now on the Brewers. So, and then they also have Victor Carantini, so good probably catcher's room right there. Uh, on their infield, uh, Luis Urias, they're at second base. Um, Willie Adams, that's about it there. And then... What kind of Christian Yelich are we going to get this year is the question. I, I don't think, know, because I feel like every year he gets a little worse. Yeah, I mean, when he got the MVP season, it's just hard to just replicate that, but the consistency just hasn't been anything close to what it was. No, not at all. And the fact that last year he was number 100 on the MLB Top 100 list, and then this year he's off of it completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds, let's go there next. Um, they dealt uh, Luis Castillo to the Mariners last year at the trade deadline, so – Really just not a good product right now. Their best player, uh, their starting pitcher is Hunter Green, the prospect. Still flamethrower, still good. And Lucas Sims, their best relievers on the 15-day IL. Mm. Not a great start for them as well. I mean, they had, they started out the season like what last year? Like 3-23? and It was terrible. It was bad. Um, infielders, Jonathan India, former Florida player. Um, nothing really anything to write home about with them. Um, Will Myers, the right fielder. Oh, the former right fielder for the Padres is now on the um, Reds, as well as Stuart Fairchild, former Wake Forest player. Remember him? Just, again, both the Centrals are just not good products this year. Yeah. Moving on to Pittsburgh. Uh, the return of Andrew McCutcheon, the former MVP for the Pirates, is now back playing for them in the the final few days of his career. Looking at some of their pitching staff, just, again, I'm not seeing. Rich Hill? No way. Yikes. 
just not seeing really anything. Um, it's like, are they even trying? I mean, the only name I recognize really is O'Neal Cruz. And moving on from pitcher, I mean, I recognize Austin Hedges. That was the best catcher in baseball a few years ago. Hmm. Uh, yeah, like O'Neill Cruz is the guy in there, and then you still have Andrew McCutcheon, G-Man Choi, I feel Brian like I Reynolds, that name in a while. just Carlos Santana at first base. Just, yeah, I, I, I mean, you've got to like. At what point do you ask yourself, like, are they really trying? The point, the the question is that the Cardinals don't win this division. Is this the biggest fraudulent team of all time? Gotta be. Uh, the Cardinals are the runaway team in this year. Uh, Jack Flaherty pitching. Um, other names: Jordan Montgomery, Zach Thompson, just uh, the uh, Wayne Wright's on the DL right now. Wilson Contreras, catcher now instead of Yadier Molina, former Cub, and then their infield of Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt on the corners, probably the best corner in baseball, I think right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is a team I like a lot. Um, I went out to see him play in St. Louis last summer with my dad. Just because we want to see Wayno, Yachty, and Pujols all together one more time. I don't want to see that. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, and then, yeah, just I'm kind of surprised Wayno came back this year. Yeah, I, I kind of thought he was going to be done, like with his friends, mm-hmm. but I, I guess not. Um, I guess his kind of mindset was, well, we still got a really good team, arguably better than we were last year, because mm-hmm. I mean, now Newt Bar's a year older, Edmonds a year older. Um, you know, Goldschmidt's still good. Arnado's still good. Miles McColas, Jack Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery. Like that's a, that's a top five one two three punch in the MLB. This was really large, kind of being kind of a standout in this year's World Baseball Classic. Right, like really did good for Japan, which still wild. He was playing for Japan from but. El Segundo, California. Yeah, that's just there are things that just don't make sense. They just need to, it to be more like what soccer is like once you play for a country it's over like you actually like have like you can't like your grandparents can't be from there like it's actually like birth parent stuff so i'll let you take the lead on the last team yes the chicago cubs just again kind of what we've been saying with most today's teams we've been talking about just the lack of starting pitching i mean he goes marcus stroman who's your day uh who's your opening day starter today but got auburn man keegan thompson who played really well last year as a reliever and then came into the starter role later just needed that Cubs, uh, interestingly enough, are starting the year off with no left-handers in their bullpen. They have two lefty starters, but just no lefties out of the pen this year for the Cubs. Yeah. Um, Keegan Thompson. Yes. War Eagle. War Eagle. Um, Tucker Barnhart, Jan Gomes, Luis Torrens trying to fill the row of Yachty, um, not Yachty, of uh, Wilson Contreras. I think it's going to be Barnhart today. I think that's the starting lineup. Um, no, it's Gomes. So Gomes is the opening day. Jan Gomes, the opening day starter for the Cubs out of Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo, Brazil. And then infielders, I mean, Nico Horner and Dancy Swanson, that gets me excited. And former Boston Red Sox, Eric Hosmer. Wasn't he a Red Sox? For, like, wasn't that last year part of like the thing that almost went didn't go through with the Nationals? I don't know the ins and outs of it. All I know is he was just kind of a rental because we didn't have – Franchi Cordero was playing first base and – just judging by that name, how do you think that went? Not great. No. Um, the Cubs also don't have a third player listed for their uh, outfield. They only list Cody Belger and Ian Happ, so that worries me a little uh, bit. So I think say a Suzuki, but he's hurt for two yes. days. Miles so Trey Mancini. Uh, he's DHing today. Well, who's gonna play right? 
Apparently, Miles Mastrobuni out of San Ramon, California, 27 Ooh, years old. Don't look at his hitting stats from last year. That guy? Now, yeah. I, now I have to look at <sighs> Um, <laughs> Yeah, not great, but I think the Cubs, they want to win. They just have to have, be consistent with their – if Bellinger could be with anything close to what he was in 2020, that would be very, very, very helpful. But, I mean, I'm not expecting much. Again, bottom line is the, the – I was going to say the other name for them. If the Guardians and the – Cardinals do not win these two divisions, then it's honestly a failure. Yeah. So that is going to do it for every division except the two most popular in this region of the I think we'll start out with the American when we get back. Yeah, and I'll take the lead there because that's my home. I'm Daniel Locke. That guy over there is Griggs Blankenberg. Mm-hmm. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. We'll be right back. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me today, and as always, Griggs Blankenberg. We opened up the show previewing the Final Four, talking about the ML, the NBA and the NHL. And then from the third segment on, it's all MLB today. We've broken down the NL and AL West, the NL and AL Central. Now we're going to break down the American League East Division. But before we get into that, the 2023 Major League Baseball season is underway in Washington, D.C. The Atlanta Braves and the Washington Nationals are still tied at zero in the top of the first inning with two outs, but the Braves have runners in the corners. Not sure who's up. And then going up to the Bronx, New York, a place that you know you need to be very careful if you visit. In the top of the first inning, the Giants have two outs with a runner on first, so... We will kind of keep the live scoreboard going on those two games, as those are the only two games that will be still still be the only two games going on by the time we get out of here today. But time for the American League East, and what better place to start than with the Baltimore Orioles? Yes, the Baltimore Orioles coming off of last year a lot better than people thought they were going to be last year. Oh, yeah. Year I was by a large, expecting large, them to large be worse than us. I'm pretty sure they were given a 0% chance to make the playoffs Something going like in, that. which is, I feel like that's un-American. Every team has a chance to make the playoffs to start the year. But nonetheless, I mean, this is a team that's building, I think, for the future a decent amount. I mean, again, not much in the starting pitching department at all from what I – like my knowledge of baseball, just knowing people. The, your your guy is Adley Rutschman. That's it. The switch hitting catcher who is incredible, 25 years of age out of Portland, Oregon. Just – he's him. Yeah. The rest of the starting lineup, I – yikes. Um, Ryan Mountcastle at first, Raymond Urias at second, Gunnar Henderson at third. Auburn legend Gunnar Henderson. That's true. Jorge Mateo at short, Austin Hayes in left field, Cedric Mullins in center, and Anthony Santander in right. Kyle Stores is DHing. So this team's just not very deep. If the injury bug were to strike, that would be very, very bad. I think mainly just for them, they just need to find a way to just just kind of grind to like, because they have enough young town where they just mature over the year. I think they can do it. We're to do something, even though the Braves finished the first inning with one hit, no runners on. Who got the one hit? It's not showing up. Oh, of course it was Acuna. So Acuna right. gets the first hit of the year. Then moving on to the Toronto Blue Jays, you're starting like made the playoffs last year. Pretty solid team. Your starting rotation's good. Kevin Gossman, Alec Manoa, Chris Bassett. Jose Barrios, and Yusei Kikichi. Then you have a really, really stacked bullpen. Eric Swanson, Yimmy Garcia, Anthony Bass, Tim Mezaya, and Adam Simber. Closer. But, 
Jordan Romano, one of the most underrated closers. Mm -hmm. But then your main draw is, of course, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Of course. The son of MLB Hall of Famer Vladdy Guerrero out of the, I think, mainly the Angels. Yeah. I think there's him, but also your infield now, which includes Whit Merrifield and Bo Bichette, along with uh, third baseman Matt Chapman. That's one of the more consistent infields we see in baseball around all four positions with that. So... That's going to be a competitive team, I think, this year. And then the outfielders of uh, Kevin Kiermaier now, George Springer, um, and Dalton Varsho. Yeah, I could see this going very, very well. I could also see a world where this goes bad. Kevin Kiermaier has a very inconsistent bat. He's but his either, defense is incredible. It is, but he's either going to, get, going to hit 280 or 220, zero in between. Hmm. Yeah, with that. Um, I get, do, we want, do you want to go to the Rays or the Yankees first? Let's get the Rays. Let's go to the Rays. So the Rays, again, a roster. They have uh, Garrett Clevenger, the relief pitcher, who's still pretty good. Um, other names, uh, Shane McClellan. Uh, well, okay, this starting rotation is insane. Shane McClanahan, Tyler Glass now is on the 15-day IL. Yeah, that's why I'm not seeing that. When if, if they get him back, that's insane. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rasmussen, and Zach Eflin. What, that's probably the best rotation in the MLB. I'd probably say so. Then you have a loaded bullpen. Garrett Clevenger, Jalen Beeks, Sean Armstrong's on the 15-day IL as well, but when they get him back, um, Colin Poach, Ryan Thompson, Pete Fairbanks, and Jason Adam. And they can just do a lot. The one, the weakest position I see on the Rays is catcher. Like Christian Bethencourt? Like that just does not really fit with a – the rest is lineup, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And maybe he'll prove me wrong, but like Brandon Lowe at second, uh, Isaac Paradis at third. Like, Wander Franco's good. Wander Franco's good. This will really be a big prove it year for him, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Uh, Randy Rosarena in left. We've already talked about him today. Very, very good. Jose Siri in center. I don't know. I've never really been high on him. Miniel Marco in right. That's just this, this, this should, is a this good should be, team. This should be a wild card team. This should be. This I don't should. think they'll win the division. Yeah, yeah, no. Moving on to the team that I unfortunately think will win the division. I think yeah. We are heading up to the Bronx, New York, my least favorite place in the world. Wow. And home of the most obnoxious fans I've really come into contact with in all my twenty years. I don't know. Hurricanes fan. fans are still pretty bad. They're probably number two. The New York Yankees, who haven't Griggs. All right, we're going to do a little trivia. Oh, okay. Fact or fiction again? Yes. Fact or fiction. Okay. The last time the Yankees won the World Series, I SpongeBob was my favorite TV show. F- fiction, because I like still like SpongeBob. <laughs> Smart man. I'm kidding. All right, another but- <laughs> one. Fact or fiction. I was in first grade the last time the Yankees were even in the World Series, much less won it. That would be a factual That's statement. That's a fact. This team is not that good. And every year, all these fans are like, oh, 27 rings. Okay, <laughs> nothing before World War II counts. Yeah, well, Ted Williams was in a fighter plane. Some of the yeah, Yankees were staying Ted home. Ted Williams is a real man. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, if you're a Yankees fan, just like, I get the thing with the Astros happened, but regardless of that, out of those 13 years, you should have at least been doing something for three or four of those at least. Right, like, 2019, they were bad. 2021, they were not great. I'm just surprised Aaron Boone's still the manager. Aaron Boone is terrible at he's his not job. Good. Like, he is so bad. 
I think with a baseball manager, I think it's the um, least demanding sport to be knowledgeable. I think just because like all like set the lineup really, and then you have like the coaches around you. But like with football, I feel like it's more of like a head coach oriented thing. Not as much with this one. You rely mainly on your pitching coach more. Like that. Yeah, like the biggest like in game thing you really have to deal with, and like you said, your pitching coach and bullpen coach help with this is pitching changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is just a lineup. Starting pitcher, um, Garrett Cole. I mean, if he plays anything like he does with the Astros, one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, Clark Schmidt, um, Nestor Cortez, still very good. Uh, the lefty pitcher from Florida. Just a lot of guys. I'm not seeing a super, super strong bullpen. I mean, if Luis Severino looks like he did in 2018, like I'm scared, but he just hasn't really been that good. Is he on the? Is he on the on the on the IL? He is. Yeah, I'm looking at the roster. You're looking at like the injuries chart. As I'm well. looking at depth chart. Okay, that's probably better because it shows you everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, um and then kind of like we were talking about with the um, I mean catcher. I mean you don't have. They flipped so quickly on who their old catcher was. Who was their old catcher again? Gary Sanchez? Yes, they flipped so quickly on him. Yeah, because he was supposed to be the future. And he was good for like a year, and then... Yeah, I just don't really know what happened. Very quickly went. But kind of first base, Anthony Rizzo, that's... Amazing. The Yankees ruined him. They didn't give him 44, and now he's terrible. Second base, Glaber Torres. Third base, DJ LeMayhew. Shortstop, a rookie, Anthony Volpe. He's very good. Yeah, Yeah. Good friend of mine is actually played high school basketball with Volpe's sister. I think is what very it was. good card in the show last year. Yes, but he's very good. He was the number one ish prospect in baseball. That's gonna be very good. Um, left field Oswaldo Cabrera, Harrison Bader's on the ten day IL. So Aaron Judge is in right field, and Giancarlo is DHing. So I believe the starting center fielder today is going to be Aaron Hicks if I'm reading this depth chart correctly. Well, I mean, the game's going on. We could just look at the lineup and see. Oh, yeah, their, their game is on, I guess. Okay. They've already scored one nothing in the bottom of the first. Oh gosh. Can it, be, could it be? Could it already be? LeMayu at second. Oh, my gosh. Judge at center. You know who already did it, didn't you? I don't want to talk about it. He did it. He already started. Okay, whatever. Rizzo at first, Stanton in right, <laughs> Donaldson at third. He may hit 80. <laughs> no, he's not. Torres at DH, Cabrera in left, Trevino at center. Catcher, gosh. And Volpe at short, and Garrett Cole struck out the side in the top of the first. Are you and they already me? and they already hit a home run from Judge. Luke Webb is terrible. Um, if the Yankees don't win the division, where do you see that fault lying at? Aaron Boone making dumb decisions, hmm. if or the the pitching just completely falling apart. But whatever. Enough talking about the evil empire. <laughs> now it's my time to cook. It is your time to cook, and that is the Boston Red Sox. Take it away. These are my boys. This has been my team for as long as I've been a baseball fan. I love, love, love. The Red Sox are my favorite team of any team I support in any sport, and I take no shame in that. I, I love this team. Corey Kluber, opening day starter. Let's go. That, that, that's all I can really say. Chris Sale's supposed to be back. Nick Pavetta's supposed to be back. Garrett Whitlock and James Paxton are supposed to round out our rotation. They're both out. So that's just kind of unfortunate. Bullpen, John Streber, Chris Martin, Richard Belair are in right now, and Ryan Brazier. Holy Rodriguez, what a name. He's out, so I don't really know what that's like. That sounds like a name I remember hearing on Power Pros. <laughs> right. 
greatest baseball game of all time. Kenley Jansen is our closer. I'm excited about that. It's kind of like the thing I'm hoping for. If I get Dodgers, very good Dodgers, Bellinger, and if you get very good Dodgers, Kenley Jansen, we're both very happy. Oh, yes. Because that was the Red Sox' biggest issue last year, not being having a guy to close out games. But hopefully they fix that. Reese McGuire's a catcher. Um, he kind of filled in there a little bit last year, so I'm excited to kind of see a full season of him. Tristan Casas at first. I don't know how that's going to go. Christian Royo at second. Rafael Devers at third. Enrique, or Kike, Hernandez at short. Um, the guy I'm probably the most excited about, just because it's so unknown, Mastaka Yoshida um, out of the Japanese league in left field. Adam Duvall, former Atlanta Brave, in center. Alex Verdugo in right. And then Justin Turner at the DH spot. Man, I'm excited. Only about an hour, less than an hour, until the season gets underway for the Sox, and I can't wait, man. But I don't know. I could see things going well for the Sox this year. Uh, It's definitely a coin flip, and they have to stay healthy because this roster is just not that deep. Not as deep as you would think a a organization with who's in top five in value in their league would be. But you know, here we are. Trevor Story's on the 60-day IL. Hopefully we get him back soon. Um, he was so good with the Rockies. No one talks enough about that Rockies left side infield. No. It was unbelievable. Story and well, – Especially uh, that year Story Arnado. was like him. Story was going yard every other day it felt like. But, I mean, yeah, this is a team. I mean, I do think the Yankees will be finishing ahead of them. However – um, I, this is a better team than the Rays on paper. However, a lot of things look very good on paper. But, I mean, this is a good team, Daniel. I think they got a shot. I hope so. But that is going to do it for our talk on the AL East. When we come back, we're talking about the league. Most people care about it down here. It is the NL East. So do not go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on a Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. We've talked about anyone and everyone in Major League Baseball except for the five teams who make up the National League East Division, which most of our friends and classmates around this campus are probably Braves fans. And mainly the Southeast because there's only one team, not including Florida. Right, and Florida's just not part of the South. Yeah, we're not counting that, but we are talking about the NL East. Let's get it started, starting off with probably the worst, one of the worst teams in baseball right now. It is the Washington Nationals. They cleaned house a little bit last year, but now it's still not looking good. When I see Carl Edwards Jr. on their starting roster, I'm not as their, one of their relief pitchers. That's not a good sign for them. Like, they also have Trevor Williams. That's like the only couple names I realize, recognize. On the, uh, Patrick Corbin, too. I guess that's their day one opening starter, but... Yikes, and Josiah Gray is actually their starter. But Carl Edwards Jr. is your second reliever. <laughs> You're in for a long season, Washington. Yeah. Um, Kiebert Ruiz is the starting catcher. Dominique Kiebert. Smith. Luis Garcia, the only name I've recognized so far. Jeremy, uh, besides Carl Edwards and Patrick Corbin. Uh, uh, Jameer Candelario. Oh, once you get to right field, I know this guy. C.J. Abrams, I remember that name. Corey Dickerson, Victor Robles, Lane Thomas. I love Lane Thomas. And Joey Meneses. So, Lane Thomas plays for my Red Sox in MLB The Show. Mm. You know, I got his card, and um, he ended up being pretty good. So, he is our starting left fielder. 
Moving on now to the Metropolitans, the New York Mets. I hate this team. Hate. Um, again, I still think the best one-two in baseball, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander. All right. And then a week from today, they're not going to – either of them will be playing. So. Hey, DeGrom's gone. The injury bug is not there. Really? I, I, How much do you want to bet? I'm not betting. I'm not a betting man, Daniel. Actually, I kind of am, but you know, uh, Drew Smith is their best reliever now. That uh, unfortunately, um, Ruiz is out for the year with an inj- I think it was ACL or Achilles. You mean Rodriguez? Edwin. Edwin Diaz. Yeah. Diaz. Diaz. Edwin Diaz. Shoot. Yeah. Man. Just, yeah, I hate that because I like him a lot, and he's got a great. Now I, we're not gonna be able to hear the trumpets all year. Good. Until someone. I liked it though. It was cool. It was cool like the first ten times. And I like when my I like when Tyler's happy too. I, I wasn't year. really a fan of the Auburn soccer games. That I don't know. Now you have to play it at the right atmosphere, but yeah, I'm I'm Tyler's just upset right now. He's like everything's always going wrong for us. Well, yeah, that's that's the way it goes. <laughs> uh, Pete Alonso starting first baseman. Uh, Jeff McNeil starting second baseman. Eduardo Escobar is the starting third baseman for the uh, Mets, followed by Francesco Lindor, and the outfield makes up of Mark Kenha, Brandon Nemo, Starling Marti, and Danny Vogelbach, or Danny Burgers, as someone called him on TikTok last year. I can't remember who it was. But, I mean, this is a wild card team. I look at this team, and I'm like, okay, they can make the wild card. Like, I don't think they're going to full implode because they made the wild card last year without a lot of DeGrom, mm-hmm. but... I mean, they're still a good team. I just, I don't think the Marlins are going to catch fire enough to pass them. Just a quick update: in the top of the second inning, with one out, the Braves the bases loaded. Hmm. Jeez, man. Moving it on in the NL, we're talking about the National League champions last year. That is the Philadelphia Phillies coming back, trying to get back to the World Series after clinching the pennant. Aaron Nola is their starting pitcher today and their opening day starter. Zach Wheeler is their number two. Um, their relief pitching. Um, Andrew Baletti is their main guy. Connor Brogdon. And a guy Daniel was mainly familiar with, but as well as me, Craig Kimbrell is their oh, starting yes. closer. Which, if you get Boston Red Sox Craig Kimbrell, you're in business. If you get Chicago Cubs Craig Kimbrell, you're in a lot of trouble. But there's that. And then the catcher we were talking about earlier, JT Romuto. Hopefully he stays healthy because there are other two catchers on the day-to-day list. And on the uh, Raphael Marcon is on the 60-day IL. So there's that. Um, starting first baseman is Derek Hall. Second baseman Bryson Stott. Third baseman Alec Bohm. Shortstop Trey Turner. Left fielder Kyle Schwarbert. Center fielder Brandon Marsh. Right fielder Jake Cave and DH. Do we have the sound, Daniel? Uh, one second. I think we do have the sound. Maybe. Yes, we do. And as there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And yes, that we, Nick Castellanos is the DH for the Philadelphia Phillies. That, so that's just one of those things that will never not be funny. Mm. I'm also surprised they put Reese Hopkins on the 60-day IL because I thought he was out for the year. But yeah. Maybe they're hoping for a Schwarber-like comeback, kind of like how it was because Schwarber got hurt the very. I think he got hurt in like the second game of the year, mm-hmm. or like very last spring training game, and they made it back for the World Series. So. I guess they want to do that method. I mean, it kind of worked for the Cubs a little bit, but like he could only DH when we were in Cleveland. Yeah, but I agree. That, I mean, this is also a team that I think, I think this team could win the division. Honestly, if the Braves, if the Braves have a bad month and they take advantage of that, I think they could make up some ground, especially with that. 
Let's move quickly to the Marlins so we can talk about our preseason uh, predictions. Uh, the Marlins, again, one of the best pitchers in baseball right now, Sandy Alcantara is the starter for the Marlins. I believe he was the NL Cy Young winner last year. Yep. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, Jesus Lazandro, Trevor Rogers, and somehow still in Major League Baseball is Johnny Cueto is their fourth starting pitcher. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, best relief pitcher is Matt Barnes. Closer, Dylan Floro. Starting catcher is Jacob Stallings. First baseman, Auburn quote-unquote legend, Garrett Cooper. Second baseman is Luis Arises. Uh, third baseman, Juan Segura. Um, shortstop, Joey Wendell. Left fielder, Brian De La Cruz. That's a sick name. Center fielder, I thought he played infield, Jazz Chisholm Jr. And a little side note here, with the bases loaded with one out, Matt Olson went down swinging for the Braves, which brings up Austin Riley. Uh, right fielder is Avarcio Garcia, and the DH is Chicago Cubs and Braves legend Jorge Soler. God love Jorge Soler. He was a beast. He was very inconsistent, but he was a beast sometimes. And finally, let's go to the main team down here, and that is the Atlanta Braves. They're already underway, but their starting pitcher day one, who's pitching right now, is Max Freed. Spencer Strider is the second guy out the pen. Charlie Morton third. Kyle Wright, who was very good in the show last year on the on the 15-day IL. And Wake Forest legend Jared Schuster is their fifth starting pitcher right now, so who will be their fourth. I remember Jared Schuster pitching in uh, when the Wake made a very a deeper postseason run where they lost to that Florida team in the Super Regional who went on to win it all, but he was very good that year. Uh, relief pitching Joe Jimenez, Colin McHugh, Dylan Lee, Kirby Yates, and Lucas Latuage, I think. What's the – this is killing me. What's the Braves pitcher It's like has the torn Achilles, was really good the COVID year? Uh Oh, gosh. I can't remember for the life of me. Charlie something? Charlie Morton? Yeah, no, no. No, he's no. pitching right now. Charlie. Gosh. Is he on the team still? Yeah. I don't know. If you, people know, feel free. If you feel so inclined, tweet at us to make sure I'm me and Daniel are reminded. Uh, closer is who's on the 15-day I.O. is Rasiel Iglesias. Right now it's A.J. Minter. Mike Soroka. There we go. Uh, starting catcher is Sean Murphy, followed by Travis Darneau, who's a That's a good backup catcher option. Oh, yes. Uh, first baseman, Matt Olson. Second baseman, Ozzy Albies, third baseman Austin Riley, shortstop Orlando Arcia, left fielder Eddie Rosario, center fielder Michael Harris II, right fielder Ronald Acuna Jr., and DH Marcel Ozuna. <laughs> uh oh. What was that? I said, uh oh. Did he strike out? No. Oh. Someone walked and Darnold came around the score. Nice. Um, but again, this is definitely a. I think the Braves fans should be confident in this team. I I would be. But again, then again, kind of thing like. You can't really have you can't really slip up too too much because that's a loaded division. You can't screw up enough where the other teams can get back into it. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. All right. So let's get to our preseason predictions. Let's start off with Daniel, who we believe will be the Cy Young winner in both divisions. Cy Young in both divisions. Oh my goodness. Um, I can start if you want me to. Yeah. Why don't you do that? I think Cy Young for the American League. Um, what's the, uh, hold on, I'm looking, I forgot his name. Um, I think, I'm going to go out of left field with this. I think Alec Manoa out of Toronto. He's a very consistent pitcher, and I feel like, I don't want to say DeGrom because I don't think he's going to be that healthy, If, but he probably should be now. Um, and then the National League, I mean, if he has a good year, I think Sandy Alcantara can easily repeat. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. Um, for me, out of the AL, 
I'm going to be bold and go Shohei Otani. Mm. I know it probably won't be him, but I just kind of feel that. What if he won Cy Young and MVP? That would be insane. Crazy. But judge, by the way Judge is starting right now, it's going to be a little little harder to do that. I'm going to go with a dark horse in the NL. I'm going to go with Spencer Strider. Mm. Okay. Brace fans like to hear that one. MVP out of the American and the NL, Daniel. Okay. Out of the American, I'm just I'm feeling Jordan Alvarez. Mm. Out of the National League, man, you know what? I'm gonna go Trey Turner. Mm. If he has anything similar to what he did in the World Baseball Classic, I could see that happening. And I think it could happen. I mean, Trey Turner is pretty good. Nats walk another. Braves are up three nothing. Out of the American League for me, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be either Judge or one of the Angels. Yeah, be cool if we got a Cy Young and MVP winner, the same person. That'd be kind of cool. I don't think that's gonna happen though. No. I think it's gonna be Judge again. Unfortunately, I really hope not. All right. And then out of the National League, um. I'm going to go Arenado. Okay. And let's go with pennant winner in the American, Daniel. I hate to say this, but i kind of afraid it's going to be the Yankees. I'm going to go with Toronto. I hope you're right. And then the National League, Daniel. I think the Braves are going to get back this year. Mm. I think it's going to be the Padres, man. They just leveraged so much into this season with Soto just trading away all this to only get him for a year and a half. I just think it's got to be the Padres. Yeah. And then out of those two, Daniel, who's winning it all? Braves. Braves. Second ring in three years. Wow. And the Yankees still don't win a ring. But they make it back, though, so they're making progress. Making progress. Yeah, but it could be stunted. Baby steps. I'm going to go with the Padres. Okay. They just, again, leveraged everything to be this year and – it just it has to be right because it just has so much push for this year because you can't pay everyone after this year. you got to let one of your guys go. I guess so. And that is going to do it for our MLB preview. When we come back, final segment of the show, it is everyone's favorite. It is the most uh, done segment on the show. It is who you got. Last segment of the show is coming up. You're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM for the last segment of the day. Who you got? It is who you got once again. So I have made a resounding comeback with only a, about three or four weeks in the show left. I went 7-3 last week. Daniel went 5-5. Five and five. I'm sitting at 48-32. Daniel is two behind at 46-34. and 34. But it could all change this week because we have a lot of different teams on who you got. So let's just jump in right to it. Let's start with MLB. We got eight games. We'll finish with the final four. We're doing all games on Thursday, but let's start off with the Orioles and Red Sox at Fenway Park in just under 30 minutes. Mr. Locke, who you got? The Sox, man. It's time. We're back. We're good on opening day. Go Sox. Yeah, I'm going with the Sox, too. Just If you can get anything Corey Kluber related from a couple years ago, you're sitting pretty, but again, it's the Orioles. I think it's going to be more like what they did last year with like a late season surge. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm going to go with the Sox. Moving on to the more the, the most historic ballpark in Major League Baseball, Wrigley Field in under a little under an hour. It is Brewers 
at the Chicago Cubs. Starting pitcher for the Cubs is Marcus Stroman. Daniel, who you got? Most historic ballpark is who? That is correct. Oh, that, that'll have to be a debate for another time. Just because it's older by two years does not mean it's more historic. Okay, which one's hosted more uh, World Series games? Which one's got more history? Same one has hosted more World Series games. Uh, no. Who's got li- lights last? Day games at Wrigley are uh, iconic. Okay. Well, this will be a debate for another day. All right. Cubs, <laughs> Brewers, Brewers at Cubs. Daniel. Brewers. Brewers. I'm going to go with the Cubs just solely off the fact that I feel like they win on, like, every opening day. Like, I did not expect them to beat the Brewers last year, and they did. Mm. And it's Marcus Stroman, so I don't know. If I get anything, like, reminiscent of Marcus Stroman with the Blue Jays or 2017 World Baseball Classic Marcus Stroman, I'll be happy. So I'll go with the Cubs. Uh, Phillies at Rangers. Jacob deGrom's first game against a formal division rival of his. Daniel, who you got? I'm going the Phillies. Uh, I think deGrom will – I don't think he'll take a loss. I think he'll get a no decision. But I think the Phillies are going to overpower today. I'm just going to go with the Rangers because it's early season to Grom. He can't possibly get hurt today, right? You would think. But I'm just going to go with him just because he just seemed to just do so well out the gate last year in with the Mets. Uh, speaking of the Mets, we got that next. Mets at Marlins. Uh, it'll be um, Scherzer versus Sandy Alcantara. Two very good pitching. A very good pitching matchup today. Daniel, you got? Oh, man. I would love to pick the Marlins, but I just can't bring myself to, so I'm going to go with the Mets. I'm going to go with the Marlins just because Alcantara is just really, really good. They could win one nothing. I feel like. But also breaking news, Verlander heading to the I.O. On a, uh, with a low-grade strain. Already off to a hot start for the, the Metropolitans. The game hasn't even started yet. Already off to a hot start for the Metropolitans. Shout out, Tyler. Uh, Blue Jays at Cardinals today. Daniel, who you got? This Cardinals seems legit. I'm it, going with them. It is legit, but they got my guy Mike uh, Alec Manoa, who I said was going to win the Cy Young in the Americans. I'm going to go with, uh, with the Blue Jays. And has, who I said was going to make the – this possibly can't go wrong for me. <laughs> uh, White Sox at Astros. Who you got? Hmm. White Sox at Astros. Who did I pick? I picked the Astros, so I guess I'll stick with them. Yeah, I'm just going to go with the Astros. I mean, they, they just got nothing to prove me wrong right now. I mean, still think they're one of the best teams of the American defending World Series champions. It's ring night or banner night, whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, I'm going to go with the Astros. Twins at Royals. The return of Zach Grinke to the Royals. Daniel, who you got? Give me the Twins. I'll go with the Royals. I just want to see that old Grinky magic. And finally, one of my favorite pitching matchups of the day it is the Guardians. And who do, who's pitching for the Guardians? I was looking at this like two minutes ago. It's the Guardians versus the Mariners, but it's Shane Bieber versus Luis Castillo, one of my favorite matchups of the day. Daniel, who you got? Hmm, Guardians. I'm going to go with Mariners just because, I mean, they had all the dudes on the list according to the MLB Top 100. <laughs> <laughs> but And then I like Luis Castillo a lot too, so I'll go with them. And finally, our final topics of the day. It is the final four in Houston at 5.09 p.m. Central Standard Time on April 1st. Energy Stadium, home of the Houston Texans. Jim Nance begins his final three games calling college basketball. It is the Florida Atlantic University Owls of the nine seed from the Conference USA taking on the number five seed San Diego State University Aztecs out of the Mountain West, the five seed FAU from the Conference USA nine seed. Daniel, who you got? FAU. No. San Diego State. I would love to pick FAU. I just can't do it. I feel like they're the most unlikable Cinderella team of all time. Yeah. Just like trying to do like a reverse dunk between against FDU. Like, come on. 
Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. And I'll go with San Diego State, too, just because their defense is just so insufferable. We saw it with Alabama. We saw it with who they uh, – we saw it with Creighton. I mean, they won 57-56. I think, I think San Diego State can win this. And that uh, – I can't say that. Um, and then finally, the uh, last game of the day, I think it's 8-49, I think, or 7-49, one of those two, Central Standard Time, uh, NRG Stadium, home of the Texans, April 1st last Final Four game of the day. It is the number five-seeded Miami Hurricanes out of the Atlantic Coast Conference taking on the number four-seed UConn Huskies out of the Big East. Daniel, you got? I'm never going to pick Miami, so I'm going to go UConn. Um, I think I'm going to go UConn as well. Just, I mean, the way they just beat those last two teams, the way they handled the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight against their opponents, just insufferable. I mean, they beat Gonzaga by almost 30 Unbelievable. Large margin of victory ever in an Elite Eight game. And then National Championship, Daniel, if you got those two teams. UConn. Yeah, I'm going UConn as well. That one won't count, but that is what we do. But that is going to do it for our show, a loaded show today. We want to thank everyone for listening. We'll be back again same time next week, 11 a.m. If you missed any of today's show, you can find it on your favorite podcast platform later. Follow the Twitters if you want. That'll be at the beginning of the show. But until next week, for Daniel Locke, I'm Grace Blankenberg. This is the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Have a great opening day, everyone, and War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to the Eagles Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke and at the Griggs B. Until next time, this has been the Eagles Nest. See you next week.